Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer, the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. The trade deadline has come and gone, and many, many Padres, minor leaguers, and even major leaguers have gone. And there are three new ones, one very important one. Players, The new players will make their debut tonight. We are taping this on uh, Wednesday, August 3rd. First day of Juan Soto. So it's day one JS, Jay Posner. <laughs> Kevin, you've been doing anything the last couple of days? <laughs> I'm in a dream state right now. So I can uh, only imagine uh, what AJ Preller, uh, where he's at. He, he's much uh, more, I think, uh, I don't know that AJ ever sleeps. So I was going to say, uh, you think he sleeps less than uh, than you do or I do? I, I don't know about you, uh, but his is by choice. Um, yeah, mine's yeah, not always really by something. choice. But, uh, what, it's yeah. really something. I marvel at people that can function at a high level like he does. Like, I don't even want to say he's sleep deprived because he doesn't do it. I've told stories on here before uh, about, uh, you know, getting late night calls, texts, and certainly people that actually work with him and for him get far more. Uh, but anyway, here it is. Yeah. It's, it is that, though. Hey, look. That is a part of why this deal got done. He never, ever stops. It was, like I said, look, it was educated guessing. I said all along, I thought this deal would get done. And the only reason I did was I felt like he felt it had to get done. And if A.J. Preller felt something had to get done, it was like he wasn't going to stop. Well, right. And it was like, how much do I have to give up? Okay, I'll give that up almost. I mean, it was, but it wasn't like, it was funny last night. I was at the ballpark all day with you and and Jeff and Bryce for most of the time. And I stayed and I left after the seventh inning of the second game. And I figured I could get home in time for the end, which I did. And as I was driving home, listening to Jesse Aguilar describe the strike three that wasn't called to the Rockies, and and he said it was Adrian Morahone, and I and I had to think for a second. It was like, oh yeah, they didn't trade Adrian Morahone. He he was like the one guy that seemed to be mentioned in all these talks that didn't get dealt. So I guess we can say that AJ didn't trade everything for um, for Juan Soto and Josh Bell and even and even Josh Hader uh, the day before. Uh, and we'll throw in Brandon Drury as well because I do think he can be he can help this team. As we were looking at potential lineups last night on your computer, we we said, hey, Drury could fit in here or here or whatever. So yeah, it was like, well, the Padres are going to have to give up, you know, Gore and Hassel and Wood and to be able to even think about getting Juan Soto. And I think pretty much everybody was kind of the idea of, okay, if that's what it takes. And I, I think, you know, that's that's why and I know you wanted to talk about this, and I'll let you get into it, but that's one reason we named, we had the show name. This show is named what it is. The idea of the organization, and look, the Padres don't have homegrown players that play for them, but they have players all over the league. Sometimes they brought in good players, sometimes uh, maybe not so much, but they have players all over the place because the Padres built a farm system. I guess more home it counts as a homegrown player, but the Padres built a farm system and their decision is to use that farm system to acquire veteran talent as opposed to waiting for the for the rookies to sort of, you know, become second and third year players and and grow together and win together and all that stuff. They're tired of waiting, just like San Diego is tired of waiting for something to happen. And they have decided it didn't work out in 2015. There were some deals then that weren't so wise, but it seems like 
They've taken a better approach now. And you have a chance to get Juan Soto. I don't know. You got to get Juan Soto, right? I can't think of very many players. I don't know. You could throw out to me a bunch of names, and I would say, nope, 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 nope. Right. I can't think of very many players that you go all in like this on. Uh, and by all in, you know, I think that's a term. That's a term that teams bristle at because they would say, wait, we got Juan Soto for the next year and the year after. And, and yeah. okay, fine. <laughs> they got Brandon Drury. They upgraded basically their bench. And be that that Brandon Drury is starting four times a week or Will Myers is starting four or they're both starting four because you're also then giving Manny Machado a day off uh, or a DH day, I, whatever it is. I've been writing here for a while, uh, started at the beginning of the season, took some time off because there was no depth. I mean, zero depth. We thought that they mm-hmm. started with no depth. They had zero depth. Anyway, li- recently, like, looking to get some players back and how excited Bob Melvin was suddenly his bench is either Brandon Drury or Will Myers. Um, You know, you give a guy a a day off and it's like, wow. And now hopefully for them, it's about competition and it's about uh, the best player will play, but unbelievable. Jeff Sanders, who knows, you know, Jeff doesn't know much, but one thing he knows is Padres (laughs) minor leaguers. Okay. And it was hilarious that, like, the Padres traded, like, 20 of their top 10 prospects yesterday because guys kept moving up, and then they were gone. Moving up, then they were gone. So what? Like, honestly, it's it's – I don't even understand why it's a discussion, but the beauty of sports is everything is a discussion. And there are even people, get this, that got in touch with me over the last uh, 24 hours – upset that Eric Hosmer was traded. I swear to you, I'm not making that up. Now I don't believe you. Now I really think you are, you are sleep deprived. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying that. I have to tell you, one of the guys in the office, it was two. It was two. one of the guys in the office asked me, what is Sanders going to write about now on his minor league report now that they traded everybody? And I said, well, the first thing he's going to do for this Sunday is do a new top 10 among their prospects, assuming he can find 10. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll leave it to Jeff I, to uh, to come up with that, and, and I know there are some guys. I know Luis Camposano, who just lost his number um, overnight, as, as I just posted a story from you that Nick Martinez has agreed to give up his number 22 to Juan Soto, and Martinez is going to wear number 21, which happens to be the number that Camposano has worn uh, the couple times that he's been up, but, uh, that, you know, that's the way things go. You're not here. Your number, uh, your number disappears. So, uh, Josh, and we, we, I will say Josh Bell is definitely not wearing the number he's been wearing in Washington because that was number 19. Uh, so he will have to find a, uh, another number, but I, I got a feeling that a guy like Josh Bell going from playing five seasons for the pirates, two seasons for the, this version of the nationals, will wear just about any number to be able to be in San Diego playing for a team that is, you know, in all likelihood going to the playoffs. And, you know, he's with Juan Soto still and soon to be with Tatis and with Machado and all these other guys. So give 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 Josh Bell number 72 or something, and I'm sure he'll say, okay, where, you know, just tell me where to just tell me when to bat. This is Juan Soto Day for sure, but the, I'm probably most interested to find out how grateful uh, Josh Bell is that he was included in this trade to be able to he's go to probably, a contender with Juan Soto. Well, look at it this way: he's probably the just think how just think how mad Luke Voigt is, and turn that around, and that's that's how Josh Bell is. I got to think My that's the uh, 
if I could give you some, so Luke Voigt gave the media yesterday a lot of really good quotes like Luke Voigt does about an hour before he was traded. <laughs> like yeah. it's just one of the little things that you just, and, and at that time, this is a guy who cares a lot and, you know, is, is used to winning where he's been, or at least it to have been a culture the Cardinals, the Yankees and, you know, very important to him. He takes losing really hard. He was so excited. And I bet he didn't send you an email that about, I bet he didn't send you an email about Hosmer, no, <laughs> but I will say not- this Hosmer, you know, look, I'm not going to get into everything that Hosmer has dealt with here because I, I'm just not, you know, how I feel. I know how you feel uh, about it. And, but the one thing Hosmer should not be criticized for above all else is not wanting to go to the nationals. That was in his contract. It's every bit his right. You know, look, if, if you had a contract and I tried to trade and, and you had a, a no trade clause to the New York Post and then I tried to trade you to the New York Post, I can't get upset. How can anybody get upset at you? It's in the contract. It was negotiated. It's so, that simple. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. And look, if Posmer didn't want to go there, he doesn't have to go there. And so now, you know, they found a place for him and. And he'll be in Boston, and and which is funny, as you noted, their first game tonight with him is in Kansas City of all. Uh, so of real all quick, players. before we get to what is really you know the important stuff, and that's going forward with this team, and that's Juan Soto, and that's how do these three players that'll join them make them better? On the topic of Eric Hosmer, the Potters are play, paying virtually all, all but a few million dollars. I think that the the I think the Red Sox are required to pay like the minimum over yeah. the time, yeah. but. So technically, though, that money is off the Padres' books because the Padres then send a check to – they're not paying – he doesn't still getting a Peter Seidler or whoever it is now, the chief financial officer, uh-huh. a check from the Padres. He's being paid by the Red Sox, and the Padres are you know subsidizing the Red Sox. So I've been getting a lot as it tends to happen because um, even though, you know, if I write a story with really sincere quotes from players about Eric Hosmer, it's me – Talking about Eric Hosmer, evidently. Um, yes. A uh, couple things. Why did the, the because people are throw, showing throwing that up as that's how desperate they were to get rid of him. No, it just made sense to to get rid of Eric Hosmer. They didn't think they were going to. They actually told him that that was not in their plans. And I believe, based on who I heard it from, the people I heard it from, that that was sincere. Josh Bell gets thrown into this deal. Oh, okay. Well, now we can do this, and and they communicated to Eric Hosmer. It just made sense. There was no time for him here. Okay, the leadership thing. At no time, and I don't mean to turn this into a defense of me, but I do feel like people need to be educated a little bit. At no time did I say, oh, if they lose Eric Hosmer, or did anyone on that team say they can't win? I mean, he was here as a leader last year, and they collapsed. Okay? I mean, but that doesn't mean he's not a leader. That doesn't mean that players weren't crying yesterday. That doesn't mean that like guys don't love this guy and don't consider him to have been one of the greatest uh, teammates that that they have ever had, like ever. Like it is so sincere. I can't express it to you. But I guess that when Hassan Kim posts a heartfelt message on Instagram, he's lying. And when uh, Bob <laughs> Melvin volunteers at uh, the, how difficult it was to start that first game, he was lying. Uh, that Fernando Tati, blah, blah, blah. They were all right. lying because Eric Hosmer didn't get vaccinated and hit uh, 220 <laughs> over a month. So everyone is wrong, but all of you are right about Eric Hosmer being a jackass. 
Okay. Okay. Here we go. I'm glad. I'm glad we settled that. Okay. Um, one thing I wanted to note on the competition part that you mentioned is there are now like maybe five guys playing for three spots. I think you pointed mm -hmm. out, and among those guys are Jerkson Profar who went like 12 for seven yesterday in the, uh, in the double header um, and Hassan Kim, those guys had nine hits together in the first game. Um, and, and Profar had a, at least one more hit uh, in the one or two more hits, I think in the second two. game, mm -hmm. two more in the second game. So those two guys, Myers and Drury, um, you could probably throw Alfaro and Nola into that mix a little bit. Um because one of them certainly could DH. I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that now. Uh, but there are there are a lot of open and, and Grisham as well. I think falls into that category. And he hits two home runs yesterday, including the winner uh, in the nightcap. So uh, you know there is something to be said for if you don't produce, you're not going to play. And I think right now that's sort of the mentality that the Padres, you know, with 60 games left or whatever it is. Are going to be taking because they have other they have other options now and you know maybe it's not fair to take a guy out after he goes you know over eight in a couple of games but that's probably the way it's going to be because they're and they're going to have to sort of roll with with who's hot and the matchups that that Melvin and the front office think is uh, are best and uh, I, I don't think we're going to see guys go through prolonged slumps at least in the lineup on a regular basis I mean obviously. Tatis, Machado, Soto, Bell, those guys are playing. Uh, but I'm talking, you know, even even Cronenworth. But, so you know, even Cronenworth. Look, and Mazar, but, I mean, Mazzara's in that category. And Myers. even a guy like Cronenworth, I mean, look, if he goes into a into a tailspin, you know, Brandon Drury's perfectly capable of playing second base. So is Hassan Kim. Um, you know, they don't have to stick with, with anybody really at this point. And vice versa. Point. If Brandon Drury is Adam Frazier – you know, you would yeah. assume that Cronenworth Kim are there to to, to absolutely. play. Absolutely. So. And the DH really helps in this in this instance. Um, you know, losing losing Voight, um, yeah, that could hurt. Uh, but you know, he was what he was. He had some big hits, he had some big misses. Um, they have guys to replace him now. There are plenty of places, especially when Tatis comes back, to be able to use the DH. And, you know, I think the interesting thing, and you and I were talking about this yesterday, is what happens with the lineup now. You know, um, to me, the only decision at the top of the lineup is whether you want to continue to lead off Profar just because he's doing so well. You know, obviously, if he's going to have five hits. You're talking you about to... when after Tatis returns. This is after Tatis returns. For now, I think it's pretty obvious that Profar is going to lead off. I, I would think that Soto and Machado are going to be 2-3. Uh, I don't know where Cronenworth fits in there, but I'm if I'm making the lineup, I'm I have Soto, um, maybe Machado, Soto, and Bell, uh, or Soto, Machado, and Bell. Bell's in in that order, and and then I can go down to Cronenworth, uh, guys like that. But but I'm when Tatis comes back, I'm stacking those four guys at the top of the lineup: Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bell. And I'm not messing around with Profar. I'm not messing around with Cronenworth. Those guys, look, those guys along with Drury and Myers and whoever else is playing, that just lengthens the lineup as we've discussed before, how short this lineup has been sometimes. Look how long this lineup can be. But I, I just think if you're a starting pitcher and you've got to come out and face those four guys to start the game, um, 
you know that they're gonna they're gonna sleep as little as you and I do right now. I think there's gonna I I, I agree. I mean, Jay, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not definitely not gonna lose any sleep over who's the leadoff hitter if if things are going well and and like if he starts if he continues to go with Profar because Profar is still hot when Tatis comes back, which would be mind blowing because he'd probably be hitting like 380 by then uh, yeah. because you can't keep up the pace that Profar's been going at right now. But anyway, if he's still hot, I mean the guys done well all season there but uh, then what do you do because then yeah. so does it go soto tatis now you're batting machado fourth like yeah vice versa so your way is the way i mean i really believe that but like regardless this length this fictitious you know hopeful pretend length that they had is now would appear uh look if there's ever been a guy that they've traded for that we don't have to bring up the names adam frazier and ryan ludwig uh <laughs> it's juan soto um but, uh, so but it appears that that you got that length when your when your third and fourth most important trade acquisitions were josh bell and brandon drury um you had a very good trade deadline i believe yeah i mean and i think i think soto is a guy that you know, people here, including you and I, have seen play somewhat sporadically, I would think, you know, for the most part. I mean, obviously, we saw him in the postseason, um, uh, you know, back a few years when when he was, you know, 20 years old and leading the Nationals to the World Series. Um, you never dream at that point that he's going to be on the team that you follow unless you follow the Nationals, because why in the world would he not be with the Nationals for his entire career? The idea that you can get a guy like that at 23 years old um, you know, as you said, there are not a lot of guys out there. I would not have traded all all the guys they traded this week for Juan Soto. I wouldn't have traded them for, for instance, Mike Trout, just because Trout at this point in his career is is not a guy that I would. I wouldn't trade him for Aaron Judge. Give up that much for you know Aaron Judge is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. But to get to get Soto for two and a half, two and a third years, but three pennant races. And look, if everything falls apart here. And it is San Diego, and it is sports. You can always turn around and trade Soto in a couple of years and restockpile with you know a haul like the Padres just gave up. And don't think, think that Jay, like, don't but, think that like you just made that up or um, oh, that I'm, was definitely in the Padres' minds. I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not that smart. Um, but I, <laughs> but I think that that I. Um, just the idea that, that we're going to have Soto to watch. I mean, it was it was sort of one of those things where, like when they when Tatis came along, it was like, wow, this is great. We got Tatis to watch every day, and now we have Tatis and Machado to watch every day. Now we have Tatis and Machado and Soto to watch every day, at least as long as one of them can stay off a motorcycle and get in the lineup. But it's just mind boggling to think. You mentioned they're going to be, they're paying the Red Sox. I think it's forty three million dollars for Hosmer. You know. To, to play for Boston. And I, I think it was Darren Smith who you're on the radio with regularly. And we've both known for a long time. I think he tweeted something yesterday or today, the Padres payroll, not that long ago, maybe in 20, 2010 was $40 million, their entire payroll. They're bankrolling one guy now who's not even here for more than that. And, and Bryce Miller's written about Peter Seidler and what he's meant to this team. And, and, you know, none of this happens with most of the owners that the Padres have had in their past. And I think that that's something For most that of the owners should... in baseball now. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. I mean, someone said, asked me, well, how, did, how is he paying for all this? Well, he has a lot of money, um, which is which is great. I mean, 
there are people who have a lot of money. Some of them don't like to spend it without being guaranteed that they're going to make a profit or anything. Peter Seidler is pretty, doesn't seem to be like that. He wants to win. If he doesn't turn a profit, he doesn't turn a profit. Now, look, it's not cheap to go to game most of the games, but there are also people are responding. I mean, the game tonight, they were supposed to have 32 or 33,000. They're going to have 44,000. Um, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, the, it's going to be like that most of the rest of the season. I think there's 28 home games left after tonight. Um, and I would think that most of them would be pretty full. I think that we need well, – we'll definitely look into this. Someone will. Uh, but uh, understand that they will not make back their money this year. But if they win a championship and then next year's season ticket sales and jersey sales and, like, it'll yeah. be interesting. How many people are going to have 22 already tonight, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, by the Nick Martinez even, jersey. Um, and even and, if they don't win a championship this year, you're well, still – going to sell yes. more season tickets. But I'm talking about how how can this year. work out for them? Well, also, yeah. you know how else it can work out? And and I'm not diminishing what Peter Seidler's done. I am praising him for this. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? This thing's a disaster, and then the Padres are only worth a billion dollars? Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, nobody's going to hold it. Nobody's going to need to open a GoFundMe or, or hold it. Right. I'll date myself, hold the telethon. For Peter Seidler, but look it up, I, kids. I do, yeah, I do think that it's you know finally there's a team here, and and we've talked since the since the Chargers left town that is the Padres. It would have been great if they could have been ready to jump into that chasm right away. It's taken a few years. Uh, you know, last year it didn't turn out very well. This year, gosh, it's so hard to imagine this team not making the playoffs. I guess anything's possible, but they're off to a, you know, they're off to a good start. They find, you know, look, they've won three games this week against the Rockies, which I think it equals their total that they had won the first 11 games against mm -hmm. them. So they're taking advantage of what is clearly a bad team. You've got two more with them before they have, you know, go to LA this weekend and then San Francisco uh, comes here next week. So uh, it's, you know, they can't just, sort of rest on this and think they're going to make the playoffs, but I, I don't feel like they are. I don't know, uh, Jay. Here's the deal. That. You're you're right, but how many teams in the National League are still competing for one of those six playoff spots? One, <laughs> one more. There's one more team competing than is there are available spots. They have to – they because Philadelphia and St. Louis are still trying. And so Atlanta, Atlanta San Diego, Philadelphia, St. Louis – that's four teams. There's only three spots. So no. one of those teams is going to get left out. So I still that, think it's so the, the Padres and, at this point, the Braves. Like, at the season end today, the Padres would go to Atlanta for a three-game series um, yeah. to for the wild card. And so, basically, I still think, and I don't know what it is anymore, is it 11, is it 12 games back at the Dodgers, that you're competing to host that wild card series is what you're doing. You're trying to have be the you know number four seed is what you're trying to be right. at this point. And the, and the Braves are only two and a half behind the Mets. So, that, it, right. And it doesn't mean that you're not at some point better than the Dodgers. It means that by the time you became a, you know, a team with this roster, you were whatever it is, a dozen games behind them. So I think they could, yeah. they could win all whatever it is left. Is it nine games against the Dodgers and still finish behind them uh, in, in the standings? That, that, that's yeah. how far back they are. So And, and they're play, obviously they're playing, you know, 
this weekend, the three yeah. games. I'm, and it I'm doesn't matter, that. is my point. Like, this is yeah. now a playoff roster, and that's what this was about. I believe they were just as likely to not make it as make it before, but because of what we just talked about with there only being seven teams vying for six spots. Yeah. Um, and by the way, all of them improved themselves at the deadline. I think A.J. Preller is good for baseball. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone, no one stood pat, man. But Yeah, um, I mean, the Dodgers got Joey Gallo. I mean, I, that you know, what could be better than that? Juan Soto, Joey Gallo, it's all the same. I meant the teams vying for no, like the Dodgers I, I did, yes. Uh um Dodgers did stand strangely pat uh relatively. Well, it's, yeah, and it's a it's an interesting situation. And and look, it's all even whatever happens this weekend, it's three games in LA. I I, I don't think the Padres the Padres definitely don't have their best pitchers no. uh lined up. It's not lined up for no. uh for it. I mean, for one thing, Blake Snell is a Dodger killer and he's he's pitching tonight. So he won't pitch this weekend. Musgrove, I believe, is pitching tomorrow. Yep. So he's not, you know, Snell and Musgrove won't be pitching uh, this weekend. You know, the Dodgers rotation, I don't think is what it is, what it will be in uh, in October. Tatis obviously isn't back. So, look, it'll be fun this weekend to watch the games and, and you know, certainly be emotional. Uh, you'll be there on Friday night. It'll be the Dodgers' first home game since the passing of Finn Scully. So, I mean, it's a big weekend, but in terms of the results, look, if the Padres win three, the Dodgers win three, whatever, we've talked about this before, it doesn't mean anything. It all comes down to October. You're going to have a three-game or a five-game or a seven-game series against these teams. And, you know, the idea is to be as well-positioned as you can. And that's where we haven't even talked about Josh Hader. Um now you have a guy that goes out there in the ninth inning. We talked, you know, are you confident in anybody coming out of that bullpen? I think you could be pretty confident in Josh Hader. Yeah, I mean, it's I've seen it enough. Like now, of course, I was watching the Padres against him most of the time. But, uh, you know, I, I've seen it enough. Saw it last night. And you could just watch the guys in the dugout watching Josh Hader pitch. Like they were on the railing more so than they are usually. Um, and it was, of course, was the ninth inning of a tight game. They yeah. would have been, but like you could see it. I, um, and, to, you know, I talked to only one guy, but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool for them to watch Josh Hader pitching for them. Uh, yeah. And, and know that they don't, knew. and know they don't have to face yeah. him anymore. You just knew that, that, okay, well, the Padres are going to come up with the game tied. Could he float one? Sure. He's done it, but that was Josh Hader out there. That was pretty darn good. Goes without saying, everybody else goes down, and that makes the bullpen better. Luis Garcia pitching like he has for the last couple weeks in the yeah. eighth inning instead of the ninth. Wow. Uh, you know, so uh, Drew Pomeroy started a rehab assignment. Woo! Now, who knows how long it'll have to be, but that's at, big. Yeah, look at and look at what Tim Hill's been doing. Um, Tim Hill, your, your, your lefty specialist uh, who also can get righties out? Like, Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I was wow. a little – he was in a situation the other night. I don't he recall was. exactly where I thought, uh, boy, I'm surprised they're letting Hill stay in here, but he did. And he, he got out of it. And um, so you've got, you've got him and obviously Morahone. Um, so it seems like there's some more depth now uh, in that bullpen. And as you said, you know, maybe Pierce Johnson, maybe Drew Pomerantz. I think there's some guy named Castillo that used to be part of the uh, organization, but yeah, it does appear brighter. We didn't even mention Nick Martinez. Uh, outside of his uniform, that's another guy that makes things that makes things deeper. So it it is a, a much deeper staff right now than it's been, and and even without you know Gore was hurt anyway, and you know the other guys that were traded, 
I guess Abrams and Ruiz were on the roster, uh, but you know those guys aren't going to be missed in terms of this year. Now down the line is a different, uh, a different. I story. look forward this week to as we're talking about it being better. Mike Clevenger facing the Dodgers because Mike Clevenger right now is one of my playoff pitchers. Until yeah. I look at the fact that the teams that he's been beating have right. been the Tigers and and the, the Rockies. Now he's been as impressive as you can be. You can only pitch against who you're pitching against, but. Yep. He that's I'm like this is a compliment. This is me saying I want to see Mike Clevenger go against the playoff quality team, which the Padres don't have many games against the teams vying for the playoffs left. They, they right. besides the Dodgers, right. they do play the Giants, who you would say are technically still in there. They got three against the Cardinals, who they can't beat for the life of them recently. I, I look forward to this to see what he does. I think we know what Sean Mania is. Sean Mania could go out in a playoff game and give you five shutout innings, or you could be down seven to zero in the third. Yeah, uh, Mike Clevenger to me is kind of a, a, a I don't want to say key, but I, I'm very interested to see how the rest of the season goes up. And is Mike Clevenger one of your playoff starters? Right. And then, so you have Mania Clevenger and Darvish that would be pitching this weekend. And I, I mentioned the, I think, you know, we both, we both knew Vin Scully at least a little bit. You, you covered the Dodgers and, and traveled with them and spent way more time than I did. I grew up listening to him. I remember when we moved from LA to San Diego when I was a kid, how excited I was that I could still hear the Dodger games in San Diego and I could still hear Vin Scully and see him, see him on TV and, you know, there were only a couple guys in my career that I've ever been sort of like, oh, my God, I get to talk to this person about. And they were John Wooden and Vin Scully. Hmm. And and Scully, as Wooden was on the phone. Scully was on the phone and also in person. Could not have been a nicer person. Tweeted about this today that he the only person I can ever remember sending me a written thank you note for a story that I wrote. And it's it's on the wall right above me. Uh, I actually tweeted out the story today that I wrote, which is a nothing special story, but just the idea that he took that and and wrote a, a, a nice little note, you know, thanking me for for that. It's like I should have sent him a note every day for the rest of my life thanking him for for everything. And so I, I, I didn't want to let that pass. I did. I mentioned today also that when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be Vince Scully like so many, so many kids. And I ended up going into this side of the business instead. But there was a part of me that, man, if I could be like Vince Scully, nobody could be like Vince Scully. It was good that I picked this business instead. So I wanted to say that. And what's great is, uh, Jay, that we always say about that he was a nicer human being. Um, but the story that you just told, I won't even add to it, is is kind of, yeah, wow, he 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 was. So uh, that that's one of the great ones. Uh, I do. I got to say this. Uh, I, I do look forward to being there on uh, Friday. The Dodgers do well with ceremonial things. Yeah. This was one of the most important. And we're talking about a franchise with World Series uh, championships yeah. and some of the greatest players in the history of the game that played there. Uh, you know, uh Nothing against our statues. Their statues are really good too, uh, and and they but they do ceremony very well. And Vin Scully was so 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 important to their franchise that I I, I look forward to that. And it'll be kind of a it'll be an honor to a certain extent to to be able to to be there and kind of to soak that in. Uh, don't soak many yeah. things in in this job. Uh, and and I'm I'm looking forward to that out of pain respect to, to Vin Scully. So. I really hope the Padres telecast shows that ceremony too, because I think there are so many people who will want to uh, 
will want to see it. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping for that as well. So anyway, uh, this was good chat. And we'll talk to everybody soon.